Hello and welcome. You've tuned into Active Listening with T4 Tactics. I'm Marco Galbraith, your host, and our podcast is all about personal success and networking. We'll discuss small business tips, health and wellness issues, personal safety tips, financial gain, and a variety of other topics from professionals in the field. And once in a while, we'll throw in our area of expertise, firearm safety and active shooter response for businesses, churches, and schools. So sit back, relax, listen, and learn. Active listening with T4 Tactics. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Active Listening. I'm your host, Marco Galbraith, and today I did something a little unusual. I was at Westside Deli uh, up at Gravesmill and Timberlake having lunch. Ran into James Kirkland, who's running for Bedford Sheriff, and uh, convinced him uh, to come up here and do a podcast. So uh, forgive us. I'm unrehearsed. He's unrehearsed. This is just off the cuff. So we're going to ask some questions. Uh, James, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, glad I ran into you. Um, so getting right into it, let me. We'll think of some questions, uh, not unrehearsed. What? Why? Um, why are you the best pick for sheriff, Bedford County, Virginia? Why are you the best pick for sheriff? I believe because of my leadership style. I like being out with the uh, deputies, running things, uh, out there assisting them, uh, out in the community. Um, I've been in the community uh, my entire career with Bedford County, which mm -hmm. is going on 19 years now. Um, I think I have a better grasp of the issues that are going on uh, being out in the community versus uh, inside the office. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a huge, from, from me being in law enforcement, I see that the, the guys and girls that are out on the road and have the pulse of the community and the uh, in the department, you get a better feel of the department out on the road, Definitely. rather than rather than stuck in in uh, behind a desk. What? Let's start. I should have started with his first. What, tell the listeners a little bit about your history. Born and raised. Your military history. Yep, I was born and raised in Lynchburg, Virginia. Graduated Heritage High School. Uh, enlisted uh, in the military before I was, uh, well, right when I turned eighteen. Uh, Mom wasn't happy about that, yeah. um, but uh, I did go into the uh, military in September of 1990. I uh, came out in 94, uh, did four years uh, in reconnaissance. Uh, when I exited the military, I knew uh, my next goal was law enforcement. I got mm -hmm. a job with Camel County Sheriff's Department, uh, worked in the jail up there for just about three years uh, before I uh, left there. I was planning on going down to Lynchburg, uh, ended up uh, with some other things going on. Um, started back in Bedford or BWX uh, Technologies as a police officer down there. Yeah, I left BNW uh, about a year or so after being down there. Uh, it just wasn't my my forte down there. Yeah, um, went to Bedford and uh, been in Bedford ever since. Started there cool. in September of two thousand. Cool. So you joined the military at eighteen. Yes. Right out of high school. Yes. So you've been in this in the the job or career or the mindset of servicing. The, the, the country and the local community since you're 18. Absolutely. Yeah. How old are you now? I am 47. Okay. That's a long time. Long, long, long service record. Uh, and, and thank you for your service. Um, why should we pick you? You know, so you're a road deputy, but why should people pick you? We kind of talked about, about being stuck in an office, but why should people pick you over somebody who has stars and bars on their collars? Well, again, I've been out in the community talking to people, answering calls, dealing with people in, in yeah. the worst moments. Yeah. Um, and, and that, to me, uh, gives you the better pulse of, of what's going on than what you hear second and third hand when you're in an office. Yeah. Uh, so being out there, uh, dealing with uh, 
the best and the worst of, of what goes on in the county. In um, hearing deputies talk about what, hey, we need this, we need that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, like I said, being out there, you uh, in the community when things are going on, you have to make decisions, you know, quickly. Yeah. You yeah. know, as you, the old saying is, you know, Monday morning quarterback anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, but out there, leadership uh, is put in place um, rapidly. Yeah. Uh, you got to make those decisions yeah. very quickly uh, and you don't have time to sit back and, and hash it out over lunch. Right. So, uh, or, or the next day, read a report and figure, well, I would have done this. Well, you know, I, mean, I had commanders that I worked for at, at the police department that, uh, that would read the police report, think about it, have a meeting about it, and then say, well, you should have done this. Right. Well, that's easy to say when you've had a day or two to look over it, but what about the split-second decision? So yeah, I, I get where you're coming from there. Now, what if somebody says, uh, well, he doesn't have experience with the budget or purchasing, or he doesn't know how that flows. I know that you do because I know what you do and what you have done at the department, but explain that to listeners. What, well, what are your what happens with the SWAT team and K9? What are your duties there? Right, I'm the commander over the TAC team. I've uh, done that since late 2011. So every year I have to put together a budget for what my guys need. Mm -hmm. um, of course, they send me what they want. I have to decide what we truly need mm -hmm. uh, and and get those items. Uh, so again, the guys have a huge wish list of stuff they'd like to have. Uh, understand where our budget is and and what realistically we can get. And those are the items that I submit to the. Um, the captain and the sheriff uh, as what we need uh, and, and get those items. Again, with the uh, TAC team, uh, back to the leadership thing, um, we're out there in critical incidents at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning uh, making leadership decisions out there um, that have to be made quickly. Uh, life or death. Life or death, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, serious situations that have to be resolved, uh, and, and that's where a lot of my leadership comes into play. Yeah, yeah ab absolutely. Uh, and, and for the listeners, if if I need a new tool for my, my garage at my house, I go buy it. I go to Lowe's and I just buy it, or I go to Home Depot, or I go to Harbor Freight or whatever. But for the listeners to understand police work, you don't just if SWAT or K9 needs something, you don't just go online and buy it. You have to research it because you have to find the best price, the best quality tool. So when you say, you know, you're in charge of doing this, it's not as easy as people think because there's proposals that have to be done. There is a ton of paperwork which is purchasing something Correct. You know, with your department. And in the police world, whenever you look at something, it's it's you know, they want to add a lot of money to it just yes. because it's for SWAT or it's for K9 or whatever it may be. So Deep pockets. If you if you don't do your research, then you're paying two and three times what you should pay for right. something. And, and that's one of your jobs is right. to find the best product. Yeah. Um, what are some of your short and long term goals with the department? Well, the short term, what we got to get fixed immediately is the manpower. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now, uh, our manpower on several shifts is very low. Uh, the road, uh, which is what I've always been a part of, or the field division, is is the backbone of the department. And it's always the division that's run short. I'm not sure why. We're the ones that are answering the calls with people with guns and that are breaking into houses. Mm -hmm. um, but yet, we're always short. So uh, first, we've got to fix the manpower issue with the road. There's no reason... Uh, guys should be answering uh, high-risk calls by themselves or they're back up 20 or 30 minutes away. Yeah. So again, the manpower, in my opinion, is the most critical thing that has to be addressed immediately. Um, on top of that, uh, you got guys that are out here doing this and, and their pay is, is low. We're one of the lowest paid agencies in the area. Um, so 
if you've seen anything in the news, a lot of the sheriff's departments around here uh, have been talking to each other, joining forces, going down to Richmond and talking to legislators and trying to get things changed. So, uh, of course, there's um, strength in numbers. Uh, I think we need to get with these other uh, sheriff's departments and, and get together and, and figure out what's going to be a, the best strategy. The sheriff doesn't decide how much the deputies make. The Board of Supervisors and the state decides that. Right. So uh, as sheriff coming in, I just can't say, hey, I want to raise the guy's pay because that's not how it works. But I will fight every day of every year to get that done, not just during an election year, uh, bring light on the fact that the guys aren't getting paid what they need to be paid. Right, absolutely. And and so to clarify what we're not talking about, what well, we're just going to pull money and start paying the deputies more. By getting better pay, better equipment, better training for the deputies, you're making the community better because the quality of deputy is going to go up absolutely. greatly. So under your command, with what you're talking about, if, if we can get the deputies better training, better equipment, better pay, we're going to bring in a better quality of deputies. And there's some great guys and girls up there now. But we're going to we're going to retain that that talent and then we're going to bring new people in that hey, I want to work there because the pay is good. Definitely. Which brings the crime rate down and and uh, and other issues in the county down. It makes it safer for us as citizens. What are some other budget plans that you have? Um well, there's a lot of things that we can do differently. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that uh, I would like to bring back in-house, years ago we used to have a guy that would uh, build all of our uh, patrol vehicles. Um, and our, you know, basically any of our vehicles that required lights, sirens, and radios, uh, that was all done in-house. That's a huge savings compared to what we're paying now. Uh, I'd like to bring that back in-house. I've talked to a couple people that are interested in doing that for wow. the department. Wow, huge, huge savings to the community. Oh, yes. And you know now if, if you're out on patrol and something breaks, you know Monday through Friday, you may be able to slip down to one of these other businesses and, yeah. and get that done. Uh, this guy, you know, we, we could work something out to where he'd be on call. I mean, if it's an emergency situation and, and say it's a canine vehicle, we have no spare canine vehicles. You know, yeah. we could have it set up to where... You know, if we need to reach out to him, we could get that done, you know, pretty much any time. Right. Uh, that way we're not losing that canine asset. We're not losing that vehicle or taking those people out of service for extended amounts of time. Right. And when that canine vehicle or that patrol vehicle is down because the blue lights don't work or brake lights went out or whatever, that's a one less vehicle off the street that is patrolling my neighborhood. Correct. Which, and I want that. That's huge. That's a really good idea. We had that years ago at my department, then they changed it to outsourcing it. And uh, and we were sad to see that go because it's a quick fix and it saves the, the department a ton of money. Um, Let's see what else can I ask you. I wish we had had some stuff written down. What about you know what? What about ICAC? That's a, that's big in the community. People are passionate either one way or another about that. What right. what, what plans be for that? Uh, well, ICAC is a uh, it's it's a big department. Yeah. It does it, it's international crimes against children. children. Okay, yeah. Um, so basically, um, like I said, you've got people on both sides of that. Some people love it, some people hate it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a department that needs to be here. Uh, mm -hmm. It has to be here. Uh, I think there's some things that can be ran a little differently, um, but again, it's it's a necessary evil that we have to have that uh, uh, department with technology nowadays and, and teaching our kids what they should be doing on online, uh, things like that. Yeah, it, it's it's a department that has to stay here, but again, we can look at other options that, that may save the, the county and the state tax dollars um, in that division. Right. Excellent. Excellent. What about a uh, big question everybody's talking about, it's, been on the new, it's on the news all the time, opioid abuse. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, as much as uh, I guess the drug prices are going down on different things, it's becoming more available, um, and it's uh, more deadly than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're having so many um, um, saves from the Narcan where our guys are coming upon it, but it's just becoming more and more frequent. Uh, our vice guys need to have the tools, the manpower to, to effectively work their cases. Uh, they, they don't need to be told, hey, I just need some names and, and we need to make a couple of rests real quick so we can get something in the newspaper. You know, we need to allow these guys to run their cases uh, and get the big picture. You know, if you, if you arrest a, a street level guy, there's two or three people that are ready to take his spot. But if you take the guy that's supplying all these down, then it's, it takes a little bit more time for somebody to fill that role. Mm-hmm. So we've got to go for the bigger players as well. Um, but again, you've got to allow people the time and the resources to work their cases. Yeah. It, and I would imagine there's a there's a huge there's a lot of transportation being going on going through Bedford County on 460. Uh, because 460 runs the way it runs. Right. But uh, I'm sure there's stuff being taken to and from Roanoke and Lynchburg back and forth, which which they stop at the Walmart in Bedford to get gas. I mean, you know, you have this criminal element. A lot of people don't realize, well, opioid abuse doesn't affect me. Nobody in my family's on it. Yes, it does because it brings the crime rate up. Absolutely. People, people don't get their drugs for free. So if I have a drug problem, and you and I were talking about this earlier at lunch, if you know if I have a drug problem, I got to go steal something. I got to go steal a chainsaw so I can sell it to buy, to buy my drugs. Right, so, and not only that, but uh, you know the, the bigger cities, Lynchburg and Roanoke, uh, they have a lot more manpower. Uh, their drug guys or vice guys uh, know a lot of these people that are using and they've arrested them. So if, if you're gonna buy and use your narcotics, are you gonna do it where people recognize you on a, a regular basis? Or are you gonna go out into the county right. where you're less likely to be recognized? Right. Or not only that, but if you need to steal something, are you gonna do it right there in the city? Uh, or are you gonna slip out into the county? So right. again, we're seeing a lot of that coming out from the bigger cities coming into Bedford. Uh, and that's another issue we can address. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want it anywhere, but we don't want it in Bedford. Um, what would you do differently as sheriff um, that's not that hasn't been done before in Bedford? Well, I know I, you just put out a letter on Facebook, you know that on your on uh, which is is it James Kirkland for sheriff? Yes. Facebook? Yeah. Uh, what are some things that we would do differently? Oh, well, most we, of them we've talked about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, we need to get out in the, uh, the sheriff should be out in the community more uh, with his command staff, working with the deputies, going out and, and checking on issues. Um, I'm not going to be sitting in the office. Yes, I've got administrative stuff I will have to do, but mm-hmm. we'll get that knocked out and then we're going to get out in the public and, and we're going to back the guys up. We're going to help them with cases and calls. Um, do things like that that uh, gets us out there more accessible to the public. That is huge, huge. I worked for two police, I worked for three, but two police chiefs at my department, and one literally was out at three o'clock in the morning. You'd turn around and there's the chief of police behind you. What do you need? Can I help you with something? And, And then he'd spend time in the office. So he found a balance. The second police chief was in the office. He never talked to anybody, didn't know the officers by names, didn't have the pulse of the department like you and I talked about the first when we first started this podcast. So I'm glad you recognize that as being important because a lot of higher ups don't. They're un, they they are untouchable. You can't talk to them and the department starts to suffer. So that that's huge. Folks, if you're listening, it's huge that 
that uh, you understand that to right. get out there. And and we're going to be out there, like I said, to support the guys. It's not a micromanaging thing. It's out there no, because yeah. of the manpower that yeah. that we have. Every little bit helps. And uh, if you got a captain that shows up on a on a scene, he's there to help. He's not there yeah. to tell you what to do. It's you know it's yeah. there for help. And what if the captain? You know what if the the officer or the deputies there is t- is taking pictures? You know this camera keeps breaking on me. Well, right there, the captain knows we got bad equipment. Let's fix it. Right. That's that's good. Um, you know what? I teach active shooter training, and I'm big on school security. So what what kind of things would you do, or or have you thought about to secure our schools? Well, uh, the incoming sheriff uh, can't just make the school board accept deputies or, or make security changes. Um, what we have to do, we have to sit down with the school board, uh, the administration, and and decide what's going to be our best options to secure our schools. We've got 13 elementary schools that don't have coverage. So with that being said, um, we've got to figure out what's going to be our best course of action. I recommend we we secure our outlying schools and the rural areas and Mm -hmm. and get them protected as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, And then we decide. Uh, Again, 13 schools, if you factor equipment, a deputy's pay, uh, I mean, you're looking at between seventy dollars and $100,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lot of money when you multiply that by 13,000. Right. So with that, where are we going to come up with those funds? Again, we've got to sit down, we figure out what's going to be the best course. There's a lot of technology out there that can help. Um, There's, you know, different security elements as as you know yeah yeah, um, from, yeah. from creating safe rooms to window films things that are going to slow down uh, an attacker from right. getting in right um so you know there's a lot of options but again the the sheriff just can't force the schools to take certain things right um it's the it's the school board and working with these agencies uh and coming up with the best solution uh i mean there's programs that are being uh utilized throughout the states now where retired uh military uh, veterans yes. are, are being utilized. Yes. They've been vetted. They've I, been uh, checked, and and a lot of them are volunteering their time. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys may be retired, and and they want to want to help out. They want to do something. Yeah. So uh, as, as being a veteran myself, I, I would love to reach out and explore some of these opportunities and see if we can't implement some stuff along those lines. Again, it gives the veterans something to do. Uh, a lot of those guys are looking for a mission. You know, yeah. since and they it's, retired, it's using their talents. Absolutely. They, they've they've been overseas. They've been in the military. They understand structure. They understand timelines, uh, you know, uh, policy and procedure. Right. Um, it, yeah, it, it's that's that's great. I, I've seen that working throughout the country where veterans are being brought into schools and uh, and they're using their talents and it's working. Oh yeah, and, and I mean it's a deterrent. I mean if if you're riding around and you see something, uh, you see a couple uh, ex-military guys walking around, and you're not going to stop there. That's you, right. You're, you're going to go on. That's right. Um, and and that's what we're we're wanting. We. we of course, of course, we don't want anything to happen, period. But yeah. again, we want to protect our, our students and our schools yeah. and our teachers. Yeah, so. yeah. We don't want it to look like a prison or, or a military base, but but they're going to be safe. We, we have to do that. Tourism at the lake, um, what, what, would, what kind of areas can we look at for tourism? Because that's big. Bedford County has a huge Smith Mountain Lake, brings in a lot of money with tourism. So what can we do to make that friendly, to bring people in, make them feel safe? Well, again, it, a lot of it rolls back into manpower. You know, if we have more manpower, we can get more people down to the lake. Uh, community policing out talking to people uh, that are down enjoying their weekend. Again, it's not uh, enforcing writing people tickets. It's it's out there, you know, educating people. Now, granted, if they need a ticket, then, you know, they need mm-hmm. a ticket. Yeah, yeah. But not everybody needs a ticket. Absolutely. Again, it's, it's talking to people, figuring out what's yeah. going on. Um, 
like you said, the the lake brings in a lot of a lot of people. Right now, our, our boat patrol we have uh, works a, a limited schedule. Uh, I would like to look at grants to expand that schedule to get them out there at different hours, different times. Right. Uh, the game wardens, uh, in my opinion, are stressed out on the lake. They uh, they have a lot of coverage to go on out there. Uh, we have a boat. Franklin County has a boat, and then of course the game wardens. So I think we need to work closely with the game wardens as well as Franklin County to where we can maintain a a, a more thorough coverage of the lake. Um, not only does the lake bring in a lot of uh, tourists in, in the summertime, but in the fall and in the early springtime, it brings in a lot of people that are looking to break into these rental homes and vacation homes and things like that. Right. So the crime rate goes up because of a, a lack of presence um, right. from, from the officers. Uh, again, if you're out on a boat riding around looking to do something bad and all of a sudden you pass by a, a sheriff or a game warden's patrol boat, more than likely you're going to rethink what your plans are because you just went by the police. Right. You know, that's the the whole thing with marked vehicles in the community. Yeah. You know, you're seeing these marked vehicles driving around. It's a deterrent for crime. So, again, if we can get more manpower, more coverage down there um, to do that. You know, again, grants cover a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So it's not coming out of the uh, the taxpayers' uh, Yeah, the local funds. taxpayers. Yeah, yeah. Grant, grants are huge. I mean, they, my department bought cars, boats, motorcycles on grants. And, and the agreement is the federal government gives you the equipment and the manpower. You just have to maintain it. Correct. For X amount of years or, or whatever. How many boats does Bedford have for, we for have, law enforcement? We have one patrol, share, one law enforcement patrol yeah, boat. Yeah, we need, we need, yeah, you need, as big as that lake is, it, and and not so much for for enforcement, like you said, it's not. You don't go out and write people tickets. That's not necessarily. You know, you don't always have to do that. Correct. But uh, visibility is huge. That's going to keep the the BUIs down. Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, and like you said, the theft down. Yeah. Anything else I didn't, I, like I said, I wish we'd had some stuff written down. Anything else I didn't, we didn't talk about that you want to get out there? No, uh, I'd like to share if you've got uh, a, t a minute, go on your uh, phone, your tablet, computer, look up James Kirkland for Sheriff or go to my Facebook page, uh, James Kirkland for Sheriff on Facebook. If you got any questions, shoot us a message and, and we'll get back to you. And the website, what's your website? I've looked at that. That's a good website. www.jameskirklandforsheriff.com. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, inhaling your lunch and coming, following me down here to the office to do this. I appreciate it. Uh, off the cuff. I hope people could follow us since this was unrehearsed. But uh, James Kirkland for Sheriff, Bedford County, Virginia. Uh, you've been listening to Active Listening with T4 Tactics and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe and uh, reduce injuries and save lives. We'll, we'll see you soon.